Hey, I'm Gretchen Bridgers of the Always a Lessons Empowering Educators podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Welcome to Reflected, the podcast where I share my perspective on the challenges and successes that are taking place in our schools and focus on goal setting and plans for future improvement. Through rich conversation and meaningful dialogue, we will discuss practical ways to make schools better for students and educators. All right, welcome to Reflect Ed Episode 8. I'm your host, AJ Bianco. Thank you so much for listening today. I greatly appreciate it. We've got a great show for you today. I'm here with educator, leader, podcaster, author, and family man, Matt Woods. And I'm going to let Matt introduce himself. Man, uh, thank you, AJ. That, that, was a, that was a smooth opening, man. I, I was like, it did, didn't sound like it, you're talking about me, but... Hey, man, I, I appreciate it, brother. I'm glad to be on here with you um, to have this conversation. Like I said, thank you for the invite. Um, love your show, man. It's one of my podcasts that I tune into when I'm making that drive every day, going into the office. So I always like to start with something good, some PD, get my mind right in the morning. So I appreciate what you're doing. And like I said, glad to be on here. Man, thank you so much. I, I got, you know, obviously, we'll put it out there. You know, I, I met you, quote unquote, through the Education Podcast Network, where your show is on there, leading out the woods, and I absolutely love it. I love the the spin on leadership. I, I love I love the name, and I want to get into that in a second. But you know, listening to you and your podcast really has excited me, and kind of it's my, one of my go to shows. So kudos to you. But let, let's talk about your podcast real quick, leading out the woods. Where's the name come from? Thank you. So, like you had said, you know, my name is Matt Woods. So uh, the name of the podcast. Like I said, kind of comes from that. Um, what had happened was it, it the idea came from a, a colleague of mine a couple of years ago. You know, kind of like you and me are doing that, AJ. You know, we would talk, we would reflect on, you know, best practices and so forth. And uh, he would always, you know, just kind of be funny and slide in there. He's like, oh, man, that was a good, you know, good topic or good quote, leading out the woods. And, and it just kind of stuck, you know. Uh, and I remember he was like, hey, man, you should you should think about writing a blog. Um, and I'm going to sound like I contradict myself now, especially how busy and that I stay now. But I was like, man, I don't, I don't have time to write a blog. I'm, I'm doing too much. And he said, well, you know, do little video clips. And I was like, man, I, I don't I don't know. I don't know. So, like I said, this is a conversation. I would tell you, this is probably like three. Oh, God, I've been going on four years now, three, four years ago. And um we, you know, we still kind of stay in contact. We still kind of talk and the idea just never left. And, um, then I just started, like I said, uh, diving into podcasts. Um, I was just like, Hey, you know, this, this is a medium that I could do. Um, I could kind of get my thoughts out there and the, the whole premise really, this is going to sound really selfish, um, me saying that, but the whole idea really was just for me to talk out experiences and think through, how I could learn from it. Um, so almost like, you know, like recording yourself talking and then kind of listen to it later. 
And then even like talking to guests, having them help me think through topics and ideas and hear their best practices. And from there, you know, like I said, you know, we, we put the podcast up, leading out the woods um, and the 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 uh, feedback we've gotten on it has just been been amazing. I mean, you know, I won't lie. The first couple episodes I might have had like eh, 20, 30 downloads, if that. And I mean, now, you know, we're pushing um, at, at this point like 250 right at 300 plus uh, downloads a week. So, I mean, and it's crazy because it's only been up, like I said, a couple months. So um, shout out to everybody who listens to it that have been um, sending me a bunch of emails and DMs about it and suggested different topics um, that we can dive into and different different guests that we can reach out to to be on there. It's just been amazing. Yeah, Matt, kudos to you. I, I, your podcast is the, the numbers that are growing is well deserved. You know, I've seen your presence grow over the last couple of months that I've been listening. And I think one thing that, that grabs me about your podcast, and I'm not saying this in any negative way, you're getting guests who are not the typical guests. And what I mean by that is we have a lot of those edu celebrities, and I don't mean this in a, in a bad way. We have the people who are famous. We have the authors. We have, you know, we, the people everybody knows. You go on Twitter, you can see their name. Your guests are centered, down-to-earth people who have a message, and it's a powerful message. You know, the, the last bunch of episodes, I would say your last five or six episodes, I have never heard of the people before they were on your show. One of them I reached out to. She was very accommodating. Uh, and we were in talks about SEL and working on uh, on, on things like that. And, and I like that because I'm learning something different that I may not have gone to these people for. I would have gone to person X who is the expert in this. So your guests have been dynamite. So I'm going to put you on the spot real, real quick. Who's been your favorite guest on your show? Oh, man, you really are putting me on the spot. Oh, yeah. My favorite guest. I don't want to sound like a cop-out, man. I mean, they've all been my favorite for what they brought to the episode, uh, for what they brought to the topic. Um, Contrary to what some folks might believe, we're actually very um, picky about, like, you know, who we invite on the show. And I say we, cause I have a colleague that helps me with the, with the uh, podcast. Like we're very um, conscious about, Hey, you know, is this person a good fit for this topic and this thing? Um, and when we, we reach out an invitation to somebody or better yet, when folks will email us and say like, I think you should interview this person. Um, like for example, recently, um, we did the recording hasn't hasn't went live yet though, but it'll go live um, in another month. Uh, Dr. Todd Whitaker, you know, for a lot of us who are dead leadership, everybody knows Dr. Todd Whitaker. I mean, he is like on every ed leadership book I have behind me in my um, downstairs in my basement. Uh, mm-hmm. Every article that I read about leadership, he's he's his words are in there because he is just a wealth of knowledge and. His stuff, like you said, isn't all just theory. It's very practical. And the way he, he breaks things down, I think, is very amazing. So when we were had this episode about, um, we were talking about, like, staff morale and staff motivation. And I was funny. I was, me and my colleague, like, oh, man, it'd be great. You know, we, we were throwing names out. And folks started suggesting him. And that made it bring the conversation to life. So when I was able to reach out to him, and, man, we hit it off. And he said, hey, I'd love to be on and I mean, like just getting goosebumps because, you know, that makes it full circle. And like you said, 
bringing folks in who like we feel that it brings wealth. The listeners feel like it brings wealth. It just makes for an amazing, amazing experience. And like I said, I learn so much from talking to these people. And every time, usually uh, my, my guests crack on me because I'm taking notes when I'm ta- a lot of folks don't realize, you know, because they they only hear the audio part. Right. But, you know, when we're recording, we have like, you know, um, the video portion up. They can see me. The guests can see me interacting with them. And I'm, I'm jotting down notes and I'm thinking about how can I expand you know, my knowledge base to, to, to work with edu- the great educators that I work with every day. And then most importantly, how it'll trickle down to the students. I like that. And I feel like if I had Todd Whitaker in front of me, I'd be having notes all day. I'd forget I'm actually recording a podcast. I would just be sitting there soaking it in. So that is actually one of the episodes I'm very excited for. I know I reached out to you a while back when I know you recorded that. I was like, when is this coming yeah. out? I need to hear it. So that's going to be a great conversation. So we'll plug that one for, for, for later on. Yeah. But let, let's talk about your role in education, right? Mm-hmm. Let's let's actually dig in and kind of reflect on, on that. So you've been a teacher, you've been a principal, you're now a district leader. So yeah. let's talk about leadership. What do you love most about leadership? Um, what I love about most about leadership, I love the fact that I'm in a position or I've been in positions gradually um, as I'm working my way up and that I could make an even bigger impact on um, students. Um, you know, when I was in the classroom, I knew I was making an impact on those kids. But then that light bulb would kind of go off and I would wonder, like, man, if I could have that same impact on, on those other group of kids and, <clears throat> and so forth. And then I would hear about how my students would come to my class and say, Mr. Woods, we never had those issues in your class. Like, you know, I told my buddy if he was in your class. He wouldn't be doing blah, 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 and he would pay attention. So that, you know, that kind of, I guess, kind of cemented in my head and made me think. And then, you know, then when I stepped into my first uh, administrative role as assistant principal, I remember starting to see the bigger impact I could make. And but then I could kind of see that threshold. Right. Then I could kind of see I'm making a bigger impact, but I still see the that ceiling. So then when I transitioned to being a principal, then I was like, okay, now I can see the even bigger impact I can make. Um, and now obviously it's, it's, you know, amplified being in a district role. Um, so I think that's the, the greatest thing. The biggest key for me is just having that impact, knowing that you can make decisions that have, um, a more lasting impact on little students. Um, not to kind of dive the question because that might be your next one, but, then the the con or the negative that I've I've learned not really I would say a negative but something I think all leaders should gonna have to embrace and come to terms with mm-hmm. when you really start becoming hot behind the scenes like you're making an impact but you realize you're no longer that person out front um and I and I and I don't want this to come out the wrong way for folks listening like for like accolades or that, you know, that that's not where I'm going with it. It's just when you're in the classroom and you see that look on that kid's face when like, you know, you've connected with them and you're getting them where they need to be. That's just the best feeling in the world. And then I remember becoming assistant principal and I was the, the person like, man, I hate Mr. Wood. He's about to suspend me. And I'm like, I'm not a, I didn't tell you to do that in class. 
they wrote the referral. If anything, you need to be yelling at them. I'm just the person that that is picking up the slack. And, you know, it, it, it'll be, it. It, it's, it's that kind of surreal feeling. Uh, because I remember my, uh, this is, the, now this is really taking it back, man. My first week being assistant principal, I remember telling my principal at the time, like, man, I've never had this many kids. And like in my whole career teaching beforehand, be like upset with me, but I had to learn to not internalize that and start realizing that it was that role I had assumed. But then it made me kind of question too and think, okay, how can I use this as a learning opportunity? Like Mm -hmm. if I know that's how kids are going to approach me because they automatically assume I'm now the, the authoritative uh, disciplinarian, you know, so forth, all those things that, that come to mind, how can I make it a, a teachable moment? Where, yeah, there might be some some consequences or I might have to say some things to them they might not like, but I could still teach them something um, to get them on the on the right track. Yeah, I think that, that's that's powerful. Right. That I, it's very similar to me. Like I, when being in the classroom, I love my 14 years in the classroom. I, I, I was the star. The kids were, were great. You know, they, they were doing their thing and they came to school and they were happy to see me. In the last two years as a leader, I'm, they're like, who's that guy? I'm like, I'm your assistant principal. What do you mean? Who's that guy? Like, you see me every day. It's like, oh, you're Mr. Uh, so-and-so. And I'm like, no, Bianco. My name is Bianco. <laughs> but, and, and it's weird, right? But but mm-hmm. it, it's so fun because I have the same vision. Like, in the classroom, I was helping students. Then I started doing PD and helping teachers and then putting it together, helping students and teachers for that bigger picture. So, you know, listening to you and, and the impact that you want to make, I feel like we're on the same page. And I feel like if you are a leader and that's not your goal, you know, if your goal is for power and authority, I feel like you're in, you're in the wrong place. I feel like schools today need those people who who are are there and the caring and trying to push forward to do more. Mm-hmm. And I and I want to say something because when you said that 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 is a good point. I think when you when you assume different roles, um, you know, assistant principal, principal, director, assistant super, superintendent, chief, you know, whatever they they call it, whatever role you're in folks automatically look at you with certain authority. Like you don't even have to say it. And, um, I, I, t- I tell folks all the time, like I can remember the way, not even like, like we know we were kind of focusing on students, like staff and, and other community members, how they look at you when you have that title behind your name, because they do, you know, like I, I hear folks say like, I'm not going to change. People are going to still look at me the same way. No, they're not. Um, because you now start to represent so much more good or bad, you know, that just, it just comes with the territory of being um, a leader. And so one thing that I've learned over the course of my career so far is I guess to, to kind of just own the fact that you're in the moment or you're in the role, but you don't really have to exude it. You know, you don't have to kind of walk around telling somebody, yeah, I'm, I'm this person, I'm that you don't have to do that because they already know that. So they already have those assumptions and they're, they're coming in with like, I know that you are in charge of making some of these decisions. So you don't even have to really walk in the room and just say, I am this person that does blah, blah, blah. So then you've got to kind of question yourself. Okay. How do I solicit that buy? How do I get people to feel more comfortable? Even though they know at the end of the day, certain decisions will still fall you know, on our shoulders as leaders and so forth, but getting them to see that 
at least in my opinion, like for me, I can speak to me, like I'm being very genuine when I'm saying I, I really want to hear your feedback and get your buy-in on this. Um, I think that's the most critical piece, regardless of what level you're at, what role you're in, um, how you're interacting with people. I think I think you're onto something there. I, I, you know, I'm writing these things down as you're saying it, and I think, you know, when, when you think about leadership, you go, you go back, like teachers saw leaders as that that leadership role as quote unquote the dark side, right? Like we're not yeah. supposed to cross that because if you go that way, then you, you know you're forgetting who you are. And I think as leaders, you're you're saying it, our actions and what we do shows who we are. We don't we shouldn't be walking into a school our first day and say. I'm so-and-so, here's what I stand for. You should be showing what you stand for the second you walk into that school. Your, your actions are going to help people look at you and they'll understand exactly what you're in that position for. And if they're looking at you any other way than, than somebody's going to change the school, then you're doing something wrong on, on day one. Mm-hmm. So as I jump into my role right now, I really think that I'm kind of showing that and I hope I'm showing that in the right way. You know, And there, there's still moments where I'm like, maybe I'm missing the mark a little bit. But no, I, I don't. I don't. I don't have the iron fist. That's not my belief. It's never been my belief. Classroom leader, anything. I'm there for for them. Their teachers yeah. are going to make the school. But that's you showing. That's you being very transparent, showing your your vulnerability. You know, just being a human. You know, being very empathetic. Just saying, like, you know, yeah, I'm supposed to be making these decisions. I, I'm. There's certain things I'm still trying to fill out along the way, guys, and ladies. You know, like like help me mm-hmm. kind of come to this. I think that. That 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 level of honesty resonates with people, you know, regardless if they agree or disagree with the decision you're making, they they can at least come to the fact like, you know, he's he's making the decision. It might not be the decision I wanted, but I, I can see how he's getting to that. Very true. I like that. So what's, what's your leadership style, Matt? Where, where, where do you fall in? Like, what, what kind of leader are you? I mean, you're putting it out there with what you're saying, but do you fall into servant or are you, you know, transformational? What, what, what kind of leadership style do you bring to the table in your district? That's a great question. Um, I guess uh, we're going to have to get my, my bosses on here so they can, they can answer that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I would say um, I try to... I try to model what I preach. Um, I tell people all the time, there are a lot of smarter folks out there than me. There are a lot of brighter bulbs than me. Um, but you're not going to outwork me. Um, like I, I t- now I will stand firm on that. I'll tell folks like, no, I'll, I will, I will outwork you. What I mean by that is I'm willing to be the last person handing out the door. I'm, I'm willing to, okay, if we need to get this done, I'll get in the trenches with you, get my hands dirty, and, and we'll do it together, okay? Um, you know, if we're dealing with a, a crisis or, you know, principal calls me, you know, in my role now, like an upset parent, okay, I'll call the parent if I need to. Now, I will sometimes say, like, sometimes these messages should come from you because you, you don't want, you know, the perception mm-hmm. to be like, I'm going over you because this mm-hmm. person's complaining. But at the same time, it's like, look, whatever you need me to do, I'll do that. And I think to me, that's just kind of how I've always been, um, I guess, trained or conditioned when I've seen leaders and how they've responded. Because regardless if you're, um, you're, you're energetic or you're very low key, folks honor, in my opinion, someone who models what they're doing, you know, 
Like you're walking the walk. A lot of people talk talk, but but then you walk the walk. Um, and I mean, like I've I've seen it from a variety of different leaders in different different forms, different levels, and so forth. I've always seen that as a positive, and I've seen the way staff and community members and so forth uh, respond to them. So I try to model myself off that, you know, modeling expectations and carrying it out. Um, I think in our roles, I think everybody by default should should operate within a servant leadership um, because as educators, we are servants to the people. You know, we're servants to the students, um, to our main stakeholders. We're, we're um, If you're in a leadership role, like as an administrator, you're also servant to the, your staff. Um, your staff should feel like you're going to run through the wall for them and that you're going to be a buffer to them when they fall short on stuff. Um, I also believe too, or thirdly, I guess I also believe that as a leader, you are, um, essentially teaching the folks that, uh, follow your lead. So I'm, I'm a firm believer in a teacher teaches students, a, uh, it, a building administrator pretty much teaches the teachers and leads them. If you're a district level, you pretty much teach and lead your building administrators. I mean, like to me, that that's it trickles down because it all gets back down to the students. Um, it'll look different, obviously, because now you're talking about, you know, working with just strictly students. Then when you're in certain leadership roles, mm-hmm. and I know you know, AJ, then you're like working with adults which I tell people all the time that can get very tricky than working with students because they're different uh, motivations and so forth that, that have adults want to do different things compared to students and so forth. But, but yeah, those are the three things that I live by um, for being a leader that I try to model uh, my, my leadership, um, I guess uh, expectations and how I model myself so that folks kind of know what to expect out of me and then kind of know how to follow my lead on stuff. Yeah. I, I like that, man. I appreciate everything you just said there. I think the biggest thing, you know, the biggest takeaway from that moment, everything you just said continuously goes back to the students, you know, no matter what role you're in, no matter what you're doing in the school, it's not leading to lead. It's leading to help students. And that message is very clear in what you're saying. I appreciate that. So let me ask you, going into education, I don't know how long you've been how long you've been in education? How many years? Man, I've been in education Oh god, I got to think about it. Going on 10 years. Okay. 9 10 years. All right. So what's something in those 9 or 10 years that you wish you knew before you before you said I want to be a teacher? Or you, see, can, you folks, can say before you'll be a teacher, before they can't see, they can't see no, me I know. smiling right now. You can, but they can. I can see you. Um, something they know now. I know going into <laughs> being a, for education. You say going into being a teacher or going to be education? Pick whatever you want. Let's, let's go one. education in general. You can, take the, you can take it in leadership. You can take it in the classroom. Um, something that going into education that the level of um, – the level of empathy that you have to have working with kids. And, and, and I hope folks that are listening, when I say the level of empathy, cause, cause you, you know, especially you hear folks say that word all the time. Oh, you gotta have empathy work with kids. But that empathy meter comes into effect when you're working with kids 
that you might have a completely different opinion. Like, I don't think you should be doing that. or This is the wrong route to take. But you still keep that same respect that you would for the kid that you feel like would follow your beliefs and stuff. And I think with everything that you're seeing going on right now, like happening in the country, for example, and how folks are so polarized on like politics, religion, you know, way of living, so forth. It it's really showing or, or or shining a bright light on the need for educators, you know, teachers, uh, administrators, so forth, to to operate in that middle zone. Because I'm a firm believer in if I operate under um, empathy, and I operate on producing critical thinkers that everything will fall into place. Like, I don't need to tell you what to do and how to do it. If I just give you those tools and then I treat you with respect and I show you that, hey, regardless of how you want to act and what you want to do, even if it might differ from my own personal beliefs, you know that I'm going to treat you with respect and that within this space, we are talking about education and that I'm giving you the tools to make informed um, powerful decisions about your life for you to become a better person. Everything else is going to fall into place. I, I don't have to, I, I don't have to stress this other stuff. And I'm just seeing the way people are responding to things right now. There are a lot of folks who really can't do that. Um, so I would say knowing what I know now, I would kind of go back in time and say, you know, Matt, like, continue to, you know, keep that mindset um, and and reinforce it the best you can with your students, with your respective staff and so forth. And, and everything's going to going to kind of fall into place the way it should. I appreciate that because, you know, this is my 16th year in education and, and I feel like going into the profession, I didn't I honestly didn't know anything. I just knew I wanted to be a teacher and I knew I was going to educate kids. I didn't know what that meant. If I could meet myself from 16 years ago, I did everything wrong. Like legit from start. I did everything wrong. I taught wrong. I lectured. I gave handouts. I used a textbook looking at it now. And the things that we know, you talk about empathy, you talk about critical thinking. That's the stuff that I wish was taught in the programs that we were taking as undergrads. But, but yeah, but I think too, like I, I brought this up to someone recently I was talking to, um, when you stop and you ask yourself this this question, even for the folks out there listening, just you know, just just self reflect and think about um, who was your favorite teacher and why. And then, without me even saying it, that third question where folks probably know where I'm about to go is: you can I can say to you, how did they make you feel? That right there ties you back to the first two questions, like. Every teacher that I consider my favorite teacher, I always remember how they made me feel. I remember the Dr. Marianne Normans of the world. I remember the Miss Pam Hinks, who was my third grade teacher. Um, I remember, like, I can I can vividly remember. I remember the Dr. Dan Woods, who was one of my favorite history professors. No relation to me, but he should be. Uh, but one of my favorite uh, professors of all time as well. I mean, I can remember how these folks made me feel in class and then I remember 
all like you said all the 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 actual content stuff but it was it was that empathy it was when i entered the the that space those spaces with them that i knew they wanted me to be the best version of myself and even and i'm gonna use dr norman if she's listening lord knows i love her even though she had these crazy high expectations and at the time me being an 18 19 year old kid in uh, undergrad, I'm like, why is, you know, it's it's uh, 8 o'clock in the morning, and she's lucky I got here on time, and we out here talking about these expectations, but you know what? Now I think about how, as a, as a 31-year-old man, how, like, that work ethic has gotten me where I'm at now, and how now I look at my son, and I'm like, you need that work ethic, and we starting with you and you not even two years old yet. So, you know what I'm saying? It's like, mm-hmm. it's like, that's the kind of um, impact a teacher like that or teachers can have and educators can have. And that's the kind of impact because that's that lasting imprint that, that changes lives. Did you get into teaching because of them? Are they your biggest influences to become an educator? Yeah. I mean, you know, first I got to shout out my mom, um, and I had a lot of educators in my family, you know, mm. my aunt, my, my, my dad's parents. Um, but like I said, my, you know, my mom too, like is an educator. So it's a lot of, a lot of us in our family educators. And, um, I always tell people I had a very interesting uh, relationship with education because I got to see the behind the scenes. stuff. So I got to see the, the late nights doing lesson plans, grade papers. I got to see, um, old school, you know, when my mom became an assistant principal and we still had, you know, the dial up, she'd have to call her parents like, Hey, you know, um, sorry, you know, AJ got in trouble again. Like, what do you mean he got in trouble? You know, the parents be arguing with them. Like I got to hear all that. Right. And I remember saying to myself, I'm never going to be a teacher or especially not a principal. Like, why would you want to put up with that? And we were in uh, Walmart. I think I was about 14, 15. Um, and this lady saw my mom and just like ran up to her and was like, oh, my God, you know, Mrs. Woods, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, you know, not to be too personal, but, you know, my parents mm-hmm. uh, split uh, divorce. So my mom had changed her name back. So when she said Mrs. Woods, I was like, whoa, she taking it, you know, way back in the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, she's talking. And for my educator friends out there, you know, you know, if you start off saying, uh Hey, bud, or hey, honey, that's code for I forgot your name. But mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm being, you know, and, and you know, Bob was all the hey, honey, it's gets good seeing you. And I'm, I'm over there just chuckling because clearly my mom don't remember this, this poor girl. But she was just the, the way she looked at my mom, um, like that changed my life. I, I have to be honest, the way she looked at my mom. I don't think I've even looked at my mom like that. Like she looked at my mom like she just like fundamentally changed her life, mm-hmm. saved her life. And I remember just having goosebumps and thinking to myself, like, I want to have that same impact. And that's when I decided that's actually when I decided I wanted to get an education to be like my mom. Um, so, mom, if you're hearing this, th- there you go. And then um, from there, man, like I said, just just building on that, that, that imprint, having that impact on kids. Um, 
because, you know, I, I know I'm in a minority, like both of us are, you know, we're, we're males in education. So that's few and far between, mm-hmm. um, me being a black male in education, that's definitely few and far between. Mm-hmm. So I can see the impact that I have on kids sometimes. just by, by me, just, just physically being there before I mm-hmm. open my mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen it so much and I still get goosebumps. So I always think about that added weight that I walk around with knowing that just me being who I am is changing lives just for me walking in different spaces because it's giving folks a glimpse like, you know, that you can have a, a black educator as a teacher, as a principal, as a director, so forth. So I'm, I'm very cognizant of that and I try to make sure that I, I keep that in perspective at all times. That, that's beautiful. And I, and I appreciate you being so open and discussing that. I really hope, I hope your mom knows that story. If she's not listening to this, I hope she knows that story because I feel like that that's an incredibly powerful story that, that, you know, we, as educators, we don't get that praise all the time. We, we just, we do, we do our jobs and we go home to our family and that's where we get all the praise that we can get. But hopefully, you know, she knows that, that you change her life and that you, your trajectory is because of her and her drive. So, that, yeah, that's I, I tell her, I tell her, okay. I don't think I've said it ever in like public like this before. So, oh, so we got uh, We got to find a way to get mom this, this podcast. Yeah. This, you can hold on to this one. <laughs> Give it to her. Here's your mother's day gift, mom. <laughs> Most doubt. Appreciate <laughs> All right, man. Tell me, I'm, I'm going to get a little deep here. What, what's your biggest failure and what'd you learn from it? My biggest failure, man. Mm. Getting real deep Come on, man. Here, this, man. This is reflect that we are reflecting. Reflect that. That's what I'm saying. My biggest failure. Um, I was in a role before. Um, you know, we're gonna we're gonna not talk about where I was at to folks, but I was in a role before, and um, you know, I I had all you know all the, the education jargon. I had like you know had my my data, and I was like. You know, here's the concern, and here's what we're gonna do, and you know, I'm I'm like, you know, data driven, all that stuff. And the big mistake I made was that I didn't solidify certain relationships beforehand. And I just remember it. And I'm like, it's like this to this day. It was like slow motion. I'm like talking like, hey, here's what the data showing, and here's how we could do this data. And I and I could just see the faces of the the folks like, what is he talking about? Like, we're not going to. And I remember, like, the meeting just went terrible. I, I mean, I won't even sugarcoat it. But it was just, just bonkers, just terrible. And I remember walking out, and I was just like, I, I just don't understand. I had the data here. I had this, this, this. And it taught me a very valuable lesson. And it went back to when we talked about who was your favorite teacher and why and stuff it still gets down to emotions it in and even when people know they're doing something wrong and this is for like the the administrators out there aspiring administrators and so forth even when you're talking to folks and you're telling them the obvious if you haven't established those relationships they don't want to hear i mean it it doesn't matter Mm -hmm. and like Mm -hmm. and i know some folks might disagree with me on it but i'm just telling you from personal experience I'm telling you from other experiences I've seen other people go through, you've got to have those relationship pieces there first, even if it feels like you're dragging your feet 
Now, I say that to say people who really know me know that I operate under you just telling me what I need to do. Like, I'm, I've never been a person like you don't have to tell me two positive things before you hit me with the negative. No, just tell me what I did to mess up. I, I, that is. But the, but I've accepted the fact that that's my personal uh, mindset. Like, mm-hmm. that's how I operate. I don't need you to pat me on the back. I just need you to say, Matt, this was wrong. You fix this. Cool. Gotcha. Thank you, AJ. Most folks really aren't like that. Um, most folks in education really don't operate like that. Most folks need the paddle, even the ones who tell you they don't, um, for folks listening, they need that pat on the back before you hit them with that uppercut. You're like, oh, this is what you need to fix. Mm-hmm. So, I learned in that situation um, falling flat on my face. Like I said, I can be very honest about it. Like just knowing like, why did this go so bad? And it was because I didn't take the time to, to really kind of let them kind of vent to me what the concern was. And I, and I, and I, and I tell you like, the same, so it was crazy. A couple of years later, that same type of, I guess, issue regarding like that and stuff happened at this other school I was at. And I remembered, I was like, oh, I learned from that mistake. And I remember stopping and saying, you know what? I can present this data and show people the obvious. Or I can take 10 to 15 minutes and meet with everybody. And just ask them their perceptions. And the crazy part about it was they all told me exactly what the data told me. So then when I went and presented it, to, then it was like, you told me, you told me you already saw it. So then it like they took the ownership of it, the mm-hmm. buy-in. And like I said, even now, like when I do stuff, like, because um, folks really, the folks who really know me know I am a data nerd. Like, I look at that all the time. I can tell you that up and down, but I'm very cautious about how I talk about it to people. And I'll play dumb. Like, I don't know what to do. What do you think? AJ, what do you think? What's your perception of this? And I'd listen to what folks say, and then I slide it. I'm like, hey, well, you know, AJ, you were talking about this. Look look what your data shows. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. And and it's not like you're trying to uh, play games on people, so I hope folks don't take it that way. It's just more of, Folks just want to feel that you're listening um, and you're being genuine when you do it too, but they want to feel that their voice matters and they want to feel that they can own the problem because everybody knows there's different concerns, different schools and so forth. But you beat people up sometime when you just keep telling them that. like you, you let them kind of come to the, the solution I found has always been the most powerful piece. No, I think that goes back to what you said about your leadership. You know, I think you're, you're serving the people. You're letting them have their voice. So it, it makes plenty of sense. So I, I appreciate that. And I know if I was in a situation where that was presented to me, you know, I, I would hope that my voice is more important than the paperwork or whatever, you know, whatever is being shown. You know, I, I just feel like you're, you're, you're on a beautiful path there. And I think that that mistake, quote unquote, really drove you to become, you know, a better leader than yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, I think uh, uh, definitely not comparing myself to the GOAT. Well, he'll be the GOAT until LeBron wins his next championship this year. But um, Jordan, you know, Jordan talks about, you know, all the shots he missed. You know, folks, 
uh, gloat over the, you know, those those magical shots he, he made. But, you know, he had that quote, something like, I missed a thousand shots and only made 50 or something crazy like that. But it's really right. I tell people all the time, like, and luckily I can't, uh, we're not going to reflect that much on all my mistakes, but I think of all the things that I've actually done wrong in leadership, like mistakes where I'm like, oh, God, that was a terrible decision. Oh, God, I, you know, knowing what I know now. Um, I've, I can tell you, honestly, I know for a fact I've made more probably, ugh, you know, kind of suspect decisions mm-hmm. than, the, than the positive. But the one thing I try to always own is at least I made the decision. Um, and I would ex- and I would absorb the responsibility. Like I, I, I would never want folks that, um, you know, like my my respective staffs to feel like, oh, that's you know, that's AJ's decision. No, that was my decision. Even though AJ, you know, you made that decision, and I'm the one getting cussed at or getting yelled at. You know, that's what builds that trust and that rapport and so forth, with folks. I like that. That's that's pretty powerful. I got, I got, I have so much I could say on it, but I don't, I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to take it down because I don't want to keep going and diving into different mistakes. I don't want to do that to you, but let, let's it's talk about, let's talk about that drive that, that you have. So, so Matt, you're an author as well. I, I would love for you to share what you're, what you're writing and what you have written, because I think that really shows who you are as more than an educator. Would you <coughs> mind sharing that with, with the audience? Yeah, no, I appreciate it. So, um, you know, first I've authored a, uh, a children's book series, I Want to Be, um, based on my son, uh, Hilton. Um, the idea or the premise behind the book series really kind of came where um, I was looking at different children's books. You know, my wife was buying. I was an educator. I believe in reading to my son and, and reading to all kids. Let me throw it out there. And, uh, you know, we're looking at different books, and I was just like, man, some of these books, they just don't really have a message. You know, like, I was like, what is this book talking about? This this, this has no, there's no really point to it, you know. My wife's like, well, Matt, it's, it's a children's book, you know. So that was kind of the first thing. And then from there, it really kind of came to the fact that I didn't see a lot of the characters and the representation for him that I wanted to see. Um, my son is biracial. Um, you know, I'm black, my wife's white. So I feel like I've become more critical over the last few years because you get a different, you get a different perception when you then put your kids in different places and you start looking around and you say, Hmm, he's not seeing reflections of himself. Um, and, and, I, and, I, and I hope for the listeners out there, they understand when I say that, uh, not to take it off topic, but to kind of give you an example. When I was growing up, I would collect black action figures. I collected black action figures because I didn't see black action figures. So I remember uh, the, the Christmas when my parents bought me a Bishop, who's like an X-Men character. And I got that oh, figure I and I was just so like, oh my God, like Bishop, look, like mm-hmm. you just didn't see it. Um, I remember when I was able to buy like Falcon as an action figure, uh, the Black Panther, you know, some of these characters, uh, John Stewart, the Green Lantern, because mm-hmm. you just didn't see them. Like I didn't see that many of them as a kid. So I know the type of thrill I got just seeing that saying, wow, you know, I, I, I can identify with that. Obviously things have gotten, you know, better as, you know, as the 
years of one on one. Not where it needs to be, but it's but it's getting there. And now look at him, and like I said, I just don't see that representation. So that those were kind of the two big things, you know, that representation, and then read some of these crazy kitty books. I didn't see messages in. So I remember my wife, uh, and I know she's probably going to listen to this, so she knows I love her. And uh, she kind of made an offhand comment, like, well, why don't you just write your own book then? And I was like, I will. And that's honestly, AJ, how it came to be. And um you know, I think I've already written uh, four. Four books have already been published. Um, I've got another five, four or five that are written. I just have to get with the illustrator to illustrate them out. Um, but like I said, it's called I Want to Be. Um, he's put in different professions. So he's got his little baby face, but he's like on a grown person's body. And um, pretty much it's it talks a lot, too, about the soft skills that's needed. So, you know, um, you know, I, and I, and it's something I think, you know, as AJ is educated, we talk about all the time. You hear kids say like, I want to be this, like, I want to be a teacher. I want to be a engineer. I want to be a lawyer. I want to be this. But then it's like, okay, it's not about just going to college. Like, do you know how to communicate? Do you know how to network? Do you know what an internship is? Um, do do you do you know the the complexities behind these things and the books cover different things like that? Um, I think the latest one was a, I want to be a meteorologist, and it just talks about you don't just have to be on the TV. Um, you can work for the government. You can work on a cruise ship as a meteorologist. Like there's so many different professions you can do within that, and the book has those different vocabulary terms and those soft skills in it. And, uh, man, it's the, the, the love on it has been amazing. Like I said, I wrote it more as my personal gift given back to my son. And, um, you know, then from there, you know, we just, just put up on Amazon, we start selling. And then, uh, you know, folks, I mean, like it's been crazy. The, the different elementary teachers that have reached out to me about it, um, other parents and guardians who've reached out purchasing them, you know, like we have them on paperback. Um, I intentionally made some of them on Kindle as well. Um, and I think there's something like maybe $3, $2, $3. And I did it, um, intentionally because, you know, not everybody is very fortunate where they can spend $15, $20 a pop on a children's book. So I wanted to make it very accessible. And then also too, you know, kids nowadays, it's, it's into the iPads, you know, my son, He's one and a half and he can pick up my phone and he already knows how to swipe stuff. Mm -hmm. So the books are also accessible um, on different tablets and so forth because that's the medium a lot of our kids are, are growing up with. So instead of them watching these YouTube clips and stuff, why not put something educational in front of them that they can read and adapt? Um, so that's the children's book. And then I'm actually working on my leadership book right now. Um, it's called The Sandbox Mentality, um, Empowering Leadership. Um like I said, it's, it's been coming along great. Um, shout out to everybody who has uh, really picked up with the that loves the theme of it, that loves the, um, the the topics behind it. I've already had the opportunity to to, to speak about the um, those four guiding principles within the book. Um, I'm actually going to be speaking at the University of Lynchburg uh, next month. Matter of fact, um, doing a doing a talk there about the book. And the, the leadership principles under there. So I'm real, real excited. Um, like I said, man, you know, I got so much going on. I just got to kind of sit down and uh, knock the rest of the book out. But like I said, it's it's coming along great. All right. That's awesome. So we'll check it out. So we got I Want to Be, and you said that's on Amazon. 
That's on Amazon, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we'll link that in the show notes for anybody interested. And the sandbox mentality. It's not out yet, but it's coming. It's coming. We, yeah. we, you, you work on that. No no, no date. We'll, we'll, we'll say when that's out, yeah. we'll find Matt and he'll hook you up with the, uh, with the sandbox mentality. Yeah. So, so, Matt, I appreciate you coming on Reflect Ed. This has been an awesome conversation. And uh, I'm going to ask before we, before we get out of here, give me one piece of advice you can give to educators right now. One piece of advice, man. Um, man, keep your head up. Uh, keep your head up, you know. Keep your head up because obviously, you know, COVID, um, God, COVID, I mean, what can you say? Just trying to figure out, navigate this new norm. But then also to, um, like, like your like your podcast, like reflect, like reflect, reflect and adapt too. So keep your head up and reflect and adapt because education is different now. Um, I don't use that that term loosely. We're living through, and all of us, um, all our different professions, especially education. Education now is going to be different. Um, some of the things that we're doing now in light of COVID, in light of a lot of us being on virtual or hybrid and so forth, these principles are going to stick. Because not everybody is struggling learning like this. Um, there, there are a lot of kids and families who we're identifying that this is working for them. So you've got to think that about how do I bring kids that need more of that traditional setting, but then how do I still honor these kids that have now found be successful? Um, so it's, so it's going to be different. You know, a lot of our roles are going to be different. Um, and, and what that's going to look like. And I think everybody just needs to really, regardless of how you feel about the situation, just be very open to it. Um, like I said, keep your head up, reflect, uh, and just adapt with it. And like I said, roll with the punches. And that that's, that's a 2020 motto, right? Yeah. <laughs> roll, with, roll with the punches. Roll with the punches. All right, Matt, before we get out of here, tell everybody where they can find you, where they can find uh, your podcast. Put it out there. How can we connect? Gotcha, gotcha. Like I said, once again, AJ, thank you so much for having me. This has been this has been fantastic, man. Like I said, love your show. Keep it up. Um, for the listeners out there, you can you can reach out to me. Uh, I'm on Twitter at uh, Wood from the Woods. Um, you can find me on Facebook, um, Leading Out the Woods. Um, you can find the podcast. We're available, I think, on like every, uh, like iHeart, uh, Google Podcasts, uh, Spotify, man, Apple, you name it. We're out there leading out the woods. Um, like I said, just search it. It'll pop up. Um, let's see. And then you can also um, go to my website um, right there. It'll take you to the podcast. It'll take you to the books and everything as well. And this also another way to connect with me, uh, www.leadingoutthewoods.com. All right, Matt. Thank you. Appreciate it. So much love. Really great conversation. And uh, listener, you got to go find Matt. Go find Leading Out the Woods. Check it out. You're going to love it. All right, man. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you for listening to Reflect Ed. If you have a question, suggestion for future episodes, or would just like to connect, hit me up on Twitter and Instagram at AJBianco. If you have found value in this podcast, please help spread the word to other educators. You can subscribe, leave a rating and review, 
or share on social media with your takeaway and thoughts. Make sure to tag me at AJ Bianco or the show at Reflect Ed Pod to keep the conversation going. Thank you for listening, and I can't wait for you to join me for the next episode of Reflect Ed.